Shall we pray, Father, in the name of Jesus? We thank you for life. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the blood that speaketh better things. We thank you that we have access to you. We thank you for the forgiveness of sins. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your generosity. We thank you that you daily load us with benefit and you crown us with joy. We thank you that we can call you our Father, and most importantly, we thank you that you call us your children. We pray that may Christ alone be exalted in our discussion tonight. In the name of our Lord Jesus, Amen and Amen. We thank God for another opportunity. Under 24 hours he has given to us. And we are not ignorant of the fact that he gave us these 24 hours to work the works of him. Because we are not also ignorant that there's a period in which we can work. And the night season of our lives each and every day is drawing nearer when we will not be able to work. And we are believing God for grace, not just to work, but to finish the work he has given us. And so tonight we are starting off with a, hopefully a two-part series. And this one is titled The Prodigal Son. We have done a series on the same scripture, but this time the focus, which I believe was Jesus' focus after the time of giving this story, was the Father. So that one you see it as the title of the parable of the loving Father. The focus was on the Father because the Bible said in Luke chapter 15 verse 11 that a certain man, so it says, Jesus continues saying, there was a man who had two sons. So the focus was on how the man dealt with two sons. And because chunk of the story was about the prodigal son, how he went far, he misused, we mostly think that the story is about him. But the story is about how God deals with two sons. It's like the way we see a major prophet and a minor prophet. And it's simply because of the length of their books. It has nothing to do with their anointing or their, their calling or their gifting, but it's the fact that um, these people, Isaiah wrote a lot as compared to Habakkuk or Malachi or whoever. So the story is about a man. And in that parable, if you have not listened to it, I believe it will bless your life. I think it's a five or six part series just on the man. <laughs> but today we want to focus on the son, the one we call the prodigal son. And the next time we come back to this scripture, we will focus on the elder son. And that one is titled One Goat. <laughs> so let's look at the prodigal son. Now, it was a series that was birthed in a time where I felt disappointed in God. You know, I was I had a certain, a, what looked like a breakthrough, a certain good door that seemed to have opened for me. You know, there are some opportunities that will come and they will literally change your life. When you look into the future, you can say that, no, this is the defining moment in your life. What you have been waiting for, which will unlock every other door. It's like a footballer who maybe is playing in, in Africa or in Ghana, then he hears that a team in Barcelona or a team in England or is looking for him. Charlie, he knows that entering into that team, he can only go greater and higher from there. So it was an opportunity I had that seemed like, Charlie, this is it. Like, my life don't set, as you would some would say. But lo and behold, <laughs> that was no opportunity because it did not come through. It did not fully materialize. And the day I heard the news that this so-and-so opportunity cannot be realized because of one or two reasons. In fact, I was brokenhearted. It's one of the events in my life, of course, except the love of the death of loved ones. 
I would say this was one of the most heartbreaking events in my life. One of them, I think another one was after my wasit. Yeah, but I think this one because it just looked as though this was what I needed and this was to make meaning to everything else in my life. But that fateful Thursday morning, <laughs> when I got the message, I said, what? And I felt so, so heartbroken. And what made it more serious was that when I got the news, it didn't really hit me. But as the next day and following day started coming, I realized how a lot of things of my life were hinged on that opportunity. That, that, that just fell apart. And each and every passing day, I became more depressed. No, no, I don't use the word depressed. More heartbroken, more sad and like, God, what's happening here? Because I thought this was the moment. I thought, and I felt so weak emotionally. Ah, but I just could not fathom how everything looked like this was it. And at a point, I began to despise every other thing I had. Because in my point of view, everything was working towards this moment. It's like, as I give the example, you're a footballer, all the trials you go and play, all the training, the coaches, is to get that opportunity to play in England, to play in Spain, to play in France, to play in Real Madrid. But like, you see, it's like all your training, all your sacrifices, waking up at dawn, training, you're going for trials, going for coaches, buying boots, like everything hinges on that transfer window. And it feels as though everything else in my life did not make sense. Then thank God for the church. Thank God that I did not neglect the garden of together. As I kept going to church, and I think that week we had a revival and the, the speaker was talking about um, our revival for a media revival was Give Yourself Holy. And he was talking about seeking God first and all those things. And as I was just thinking about this heartbreak I had gone through, in a sarcastic way, I felt like God was like, telling me you are a sports boy that's like Charlie I am heartbroken and this is what you can tell me he said that you are behaving like a prodigal son look at all the things you have in your life yet you are moaning and you are crying and your heart broken as though your life has fallen apart and in fact it was I remember one of these days after the next day I woke up in the morning I was just meditating about Charlie so what's next for me because I thought this was it and God just took it that you're just behaving like a prodigal son. And that's what birthed this particular episode. So the subtitle of this episode is having everything yet lacking everything. Because for many of us, we have everything. Of course, it's in quotation, not literally everything. But we behave as though we have nothing in life. And God was telling me, you're just behaving like a prodigal son. So now let's read that scripture. Luke 15, we just read verse 1 and 2. Because what you want is in the verse 1 and 2. Okay, verse 3. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, he give me my share of the estates. So he divided his property between them. He and not long after, very interesting, the King James says, and not many days after, the younger son got together all he had set off to a distant country and then squandered his wealth in wild living. And I believe you are familiar with the rest of the story. I don't know to read these two, these three verses. This was a guy who was literally living the dream. In fact, this is that he was living the life everybody prays for, being born into a wealthy family in a wealthy country. This was the guy that he literally had no consent in life. He, even if he didn't do well in school, his father could pay for him to get to any school so some of us, we need good grades so that we can get scholarships, so that we can get funding, so that somebody would help us, so that your parents will be motivated <laughs> to continue paying your fees, so that you can go. And after after undergrad, you do master's, after master's, you do PhD, after PhD, you do postdoc, after postdoc, you do, I don't know what you do. But <laughs> and he was in this state. His only issue was which one he wanted. It was never about, I can't afford. 
He was a man that literally had servants at his beck and call. He was a man that, or a young man that attended the best schools. There was no opportunity that he ever wanted that he didn't have. Yet, he acted as though he had nothing because he felt that his father was robbing him of the real life outside his father's house. So some of us, God has blessed us. We are well educated. Well, if you're in Ghana, you attend a very good school. I know you say somebody's in the U.S., but you attended a very good school. You have that wonderful first degree. After national service, you were not home for long. <laughs> maybe you were home for a month or two. You got a job, and maybe the pay was not good. And you had another job, and the pay increase doubled. And you have a, a beloved. And just because maybe you don't have a car, you feel as though there's nothing good in your life. Because in the morning, you have to hustle a bit to get into public transport. By the time you get to work, you are sweaty, and you need to sit under the air condition. And you look at mates or people who don't drive. And it's as though there's nothing good in your life. And you are so itchy and anxious and, and upset because you don't have one thing. So you're having everything but yet you are acting as though you lack everything. So this boy was literally living the dream of everybody and he was not just living in a wealthy family but in a godly family. So he was not just, his parents were not just Bill Gates or, or Bob Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or whoever the billionaires is. His parents or his dad, as at least we know his dad, was a goodly dad, a godly dad. So he was enjoying both spiritual and physical prosperity. Hey. Yes, the way he acted, it was as though he had nothing and that he what he wanted was outside somewhere in the bush. And this is one of the things that is robbing many of us. We are we have an imaginary delusion that there is some life we are not living. We are missing out on something. And because we feel like we are missing out, we are robbing ourselves of enjoying the generosity of God towards you. And I remember as I was wondering, I saw God, what's next? And God was telling me, look at your life. You literally have everything you want, of course, to a certain level. <laughs> you have a place to sleep without stress. You have food to eat. You have clothes. You have a good job. Like, But yet, because one opportunity seemed to have passed you by, you can't seem to find anything good in your life. And you see, the fascinating thing about this young man was that he knew what he had. Because he went to his father and said, give me my share of the inheritance. <laughs> he didn't say, Charlie, father, give me loan. You know, as some of us will do, we are asking our parents for loans, knowing very well that we, we have no intentions of paying them back. <laughs> oh, mercy. You know, when you go, <laughs> you say, father, you know, give me loan. Your father knows very well that this money that is given to you, <laughs> he's not going to get it back. But that's not how they approach this. He said, give me my share of the inheritance. So he knew what he had. But yet still he was delusional that there's something outside somewhere that because he was not experiencing, he lacked everything. And what showed his desperation was the next verse, not many days after, he went into a far away country. If it was just about not being in his father's house, he could have bought the next land and built his mansion just beside his father's mansion. But it shows you that there was more to him wanting to leave the house. He wanted to be as far from his father that he could be. So it took this young man eating with pigs. The Bible says that King James, and he came to himself. It took him eating with pigs for him to come to himself that he literally had everything in his father's house, that even his servants had everything. Even his servants, what more can a servant ask for than to be a servant of a generous, good master? Where even your children's children's children are living good lives. 
So it took this young man eating with pigs for him to realize that he literally had everything in his father's house, yet he behaved as though he lacked everything. And this is what's happening to many of us. We feel as though because we are in Africa, you're in Ghana, and you see your mates posting pictures in the snow, or you see your mates driving a certain car, or maybe somebody's getting married, and every, you have everything, but you are just not married. You feel as though you, you lack everything in your life. The way some of us are so discontent and angry with God, is as though we had nothing. Having everything, yet lacking everything. God was telling me, Sam, look at your life. You have had everything. <laughs> Not everything like everything. But you have had everything. And yet, because of one opportunity, I was so down. I was so heartbroken that I felt like everything had fallen apart. God is speaking to you. You may have a good job. Your father may or your mother may have given you a car. You are a cute young lady. You drive to work. You have a decent job. Your father has left the house for you. And just because maybe you are not married. And it's not as if you are even 50 years old. Maybe you are just 28, 29, 30. And just because you are not married, you can't seem to find joy in this life. And in the same delusion Hannah fell for, that his husband had to tell Hannah, Hannah, am I not more than 10 of children to you? The Bible said that Hannah was getting double of what she was supposed to get because the husband loved her. But the way Hannah was so desperate for a child, she forgot she was enjoying the blessings of a sweet marriage. You can't imagine the number of people in this world who would die for the marriage Hannah had. That even though your husband was married to two, he still treated you better. Hey, mercy. Some of us will literally give everything for the marriage Hannah had. But yet she had it. But because she did not have a child, the way she was so desperate. So the man had to say that, am I not worth tens of children? That's what God is asking you. Look at all the things he has given to you. You never struggled for school fees. From one level of school to another, smooth transition. All the schools you chose, you went to. You had that career. You are getting that job. After some few years, you move to another job. Your salary was doubled or tripled. You have a wonderful beloved. But maybe just because you don't have something, it's as though there's nothing good in your life. And you see, because of this delusion, we sacrifice and destroy the good things we have for that one thing we seem not to have. This guy was enjoying the best of everything in his father's house, but he literally laid it on the altar and gave it as a burnt offering just to experience life in a far away country. And this is the way we are. Sometimes people are living wonderful lives in Africa. But just because they see people who are in Europe, they are willing to sacrifice a decent job, a wonderful marriage, just for a particular passport. And you ask yourself, why do you want to go to that country? Is it not to have a comfortable life? When your salary comes, you have more than enough. They are able to save 50% of your salary. You have a good job. You have a beloved or a spouse. You have a car or you are about getting a car. Your salary can afford you a car if you are able to save for a year or two. But you look at somebody who is speaking train and just because the person is in Europe, you are willing to sacrifice your relationship, sacrifice your, your, your job just so that you can... And some people are able to do those fake marriages just for documents. And you look at the thing, the price they pay. You ask yourself, have don't they realize that they have everything? So the danger of not realizing the things we have leads us into two things. We become competitive and we become discontent. 
These are the two things that happen when we don't realize the things that we have discontent and competitive, or we begin to compare. And all this, all that these two does is that it robs our joy and it causes us to live wasted years. The energy some people spend, the energy, the money. I remember sometimes you listen to radio, let's say in Ghana, and somebody will go like, um, somebody wants to do documents or visa for you, and look at the amount you have to pay. And you look at this amount, you can start something very decent in Ghana. And the point is that you have been able to work in a place, you have been able to save this amount of money in three years. And the only thing you can see good for this money is to get a visa or get a document or get a paper somewhere. And that country you are going to, you are going to live as a second class citizen or even a third class citizen. You leave your job as a lawyer, as a, as a procurement officer, as a whatever, just to become a, 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 a cleaner, a construction worker somewhere else, just because you want to go to Abrochery. You destroy your lovely husband, your lovely marriage, just because a child is delayed. You go and sleep with somebody else just to get another child, destroying the beautiful marriage that God has given to you. You destroy your job because you are in a hurry to get money to buy a car. One day, Marquez was telling me how a company started in Ghana and almost all the people that the company employed were people who have finished school and have been home for years, at least two years. And this company was paying them generously or fairly. And one guy was made the head of a department in the company. And the money this guy was siphoning, just because he thought the owners of the companies were foreigners and they won't, I don't know, he thought they were dumb, they won't notice that no, that money is not adding up. And in less than a year, this guy had lost his job because he was siphoning. And I, I was telling him, like, you even still small, huge amount of money, money that could buy a car, that amount of money he stole in less than a year of working in a company. Is because he had forgotten the blessings that he had. That to get a job that you love, that is paying you fairly, that is treating you well. And just because you see an opportunity to loot money, you are willing to sacrifice everything on the altar of greed. Having everything, yet lacking everything. God is speaking to us. We become competitive. Look at the Israelites. You had God literally being your king. And just because neighboring nations had a human being as their king, you told God that God, you know what? Everybody has a king. We too, we want a king. And you see, this is what being delusional does to us. Someone had to explain to them the cost of having a king. He said, God is your king. But if you are asking for a human king, you pay taxes to this person. Now, who listening to me wants to pay taxes? And you could see how they were robbed of common sense just because they didn't know that they had everything. He told them that this guy will collect your taxes. He will take your children as wives. He will take your children as house helps or servants. He will make you, he will force you into hard labor. Because if you are paying tax, you need to work extra to be able to pay tax and still have enough money. You will fight battles for him. Why would you want this situation? The people said, give us a king or give us a king. Why? Because other nations had a king. There was a particular time, in fact, before this scenario, a time came that the Philistines also were about to attack them. And that time, Samuel was the one who was their leader or their judge of Israel. A time came that Samuel was offering, I think that the Philistines were coming up there and Samuel went to offer sacrifice and was praying even as the crowd or the army was facing them. And the Bible said, and God destroyed the army. So the people didn't even fight war. So God literally caused confusion in the camp of the Philistines. And all the Israel had to do was to pursue them and make a plunder of their goods. This is what you had as God being your king. You say, no, we want a human being to be in our king. Mercy. 
Why did they want this thing? Because they looked over their shoulders and they realized that everybody had a king. You have a beautiful marriage, but you look over social media and you look at the fake things people are doing. Some are real, but you look at the fact that somebody bought some uh, a flower, took the person for a weekend getaway uh, on the person's birthday, and all that your husband does for you is take you for dinner somewhere or to wish you a happy birthday, sing for you, and maybe buy you chocolates. And you say, ah, People are going to Dubai. You are taking me to Second D for Ghana Beach. Hey, you are taking me to this KFC. People are taking their people to, 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 to I don't know where they even go now, to Australia, to Belgium. You are taking me to Senegal, to Tanzania, to Kenya. What am I going to do in Kenya? Because you are looking over your shoulders. You are looking at social media. You are looking at your friends. And you want to compete. Maybe somebody's wedding, the person had 10 groomsmen and 5 V8s. And your husband can give you 2 V8s or 2 cars. You will be in one car, you will be in one car. You say no. You want 5 other cars to follow you. Hey. And because of that, you have become a nagging and a discontentious woman. And you are just draining the joy in the marriage. Having everything, yet lacking everything. People are able to abandon everything for the fantasy of life outside the father's house. This young man had no idea of what life outside the father's house had for him, but he was just so eager for it that not many days after, he left the father's house. The next thing, as I said, we become competitive. The next thing is we become discontent. And this is really important, especially for the African Christian. And Paul could not have said it any clearer than he did in 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, that godliness with contentment is great gain. Because there are many godly people that have become corrupted because they were not content. Like the story I gave of my cousin's co-worker. Some people are heads of institutions in Ghana. Do you know what it takes to be a head of a state institution in Ghana? You are giving all sorts of interesting allowances and packages and salaries and benefits and workshop sitting allowed. Funny, funny things. Yet these are the same people that are siphoning money meant for the development of a particular area. They are godly people. These are church leaders. These are people that contribute to the building of the body of Christ. Just because they were not content, they they tarnished or they, they soil that godliness. Whenever I think about this, there's always one person in I, I know, a lady who once wore a beauty pageant show in Ghana, a very big beauty pageant show in Ghana. And in Ghana, mostly when somebody hits like that and you get one ambassadorial deal, everybody starts calling on you. Ghana, that's the way we are. Immediately something hits, everybody follows quickly. So immediately you become a hot cake in one industry. You see that companies will start lining up. Oh, I want you to advertise. I want you to be my brand ambassador, brand ambassador. I want you to be my, what they call now, influencers or funny, funny, funny things. And this lady, when she won this particular beauty pageant, like, I remember, I didn't used to watch, but like she won it elegantly. So she was being talked about and she was really conscious and she was intelligent. And as I like to say, she literally had Ghana at her feet. Every company would have wanted her to be a brand ambassador. Every company would have roped her in to be a promoter. And what job would she have wanted that because of what she did, she wouldn't have got? But the next thing we heard about this lady, she became a third or a fourth wife to a certain rich man. And I was so heartbroken that the best that you could see in yourself was to be a third or a fourth or a fifth wife of a certain man. And 
when you are marrying a rich man, you don't tell you like you are the man comes to see you when he wants to see you. You can't come and call him and say, Hey, three, I'm not coming home. He will give you a nice house with house helps, he will give you cars. But what good is these things if you don't enjoy them? It was a blessing that adds no sorrow. You sleep in a big house alone, and at most, you see this man twice a week. And when he comes, he just comes to sleep with you and is off. There is no companionship because the man has businesses to run. And he has wives who also need his attention. And it's not as if you are his first wife. You are one of the number. And I saw a blog. Uh, I don't know how to do this, but I heard that one of the, um, he said that the man promised that she would be the final wife. So he reserved the best for the last. And when the news broke out that this man has gone to marry somebody else, this girl was so angry. Said, you are the third or the fourth wife. You are going to bring your fifth wife and you are rather angry. She lived sold the beautiful life ahead of him because in her mind marrying a rich man is all that there is to life and because of that whenever she tries to start her own project it fails because she's only to get sponsorship because everybody ah but you, your husband is this person you your husband is, and because of that she's never able to get the deserved recognition because even the thing that she does that goes on well everybody will feel like oh it's your husband who is the one helping you who is pushing you who is sponsoring you so somebody who literally commanded the beauty world a few years ago, nobody recognized her efforts anymore. And now she's just okay with being a dignified housewife. You can't do anything because your husband said, oh, I'm providing everything for you. So where are you going? Just stay at home and enjoy. And it was a news that whenever she complains, the husband will just take her to America for two weeks. Then when she comes back, she's okay. I said, hey, mercy, mercy, mercy. Having everything, yet we behave as though we are lacking everything. The same thing that happened to King David. Like, look at the extent David went to get Bathsheba, literally killing somebody. Well, like, and, and see that one thing God told David that you already have plenty wives, and if you wanted more wives, you could have simply taken one. But the way David killed Uriah for Bathsheba is as though if he doesn't get Bathsheba, there is no meaning to his life. He literally sacrificed his kingdom because almost every bad thing or unfortunate thing that happened to David because of that issue with Bathsheba and Uriah. It set in motion a sequel of pain in the life of David just because he had several wives and he could have gotten as much as he, as he wanted but just because he didn't have Bathsheba he was so itchy for Bathsheba that he literally committed murder that he took a prophet to come and tell him that my friend you have committed murder. Hey, mercy. You see how delusional and how absent-minded we become when we don't recognize the generosity of God towards us. And this is the point I was getting to when that door of opportunity closed in my life and I felt like everything was falling apart. God had to school me and tell me, look at your life. A lot of people would sacrifice everything for the life you are having. But you are so angry as though you have nothing. God is telling you like the way you told David, you already have plenty wives. If you wanted more, all you could have done was to ask but for you to commit murder just because of one lady, it just tells you that you are not realizing what God has done for you. The prodigal son, having everything, but yet having nothing. You know, one day I was listening to a footballer who was talking about the fact that many people think that they are living the best kind of life. And I saw like it was an interview we had and it was like he spent all his life either in a plane, in the bus or in the training pitch. So even though he has the money to afford anything, he's unable to enjoy his life because it's either the training grounds or he's in a bus to go and play an away match or he's in a plane traveling for a Champions League match or something. 
And they say that those who have family or those who can spend time with their family, they have everything. <laughs> and I was just smiling. Those of us who we see our family 24-7, we are angry and bored. We want to kick them out. And we want to also be traveling. It just lets us know that the issue is not really what people are having. It's that people do not recognize and appreciate what they have. Because there are many young footballers who are dying for the life of this footballer. And I think if I remember correctly, Edison Cavani, a former PSG player, he gave this interview. Like, you can see people who are just watching TV and their whole life is for when day two they'll be playing Champions League. They'll be playing in this particular league. They'll be traveling from England to Spain to play Barcelona, play this. Like, that is their whole obsession. And the man who had this at his fingertips is like, Charlie, all this thing, what is the essence? In fact, one of the greatest footballers, if I remember correctly, Lionel Messi or so, or I think it was Ronaldinho, one of them made a statement that being a footballer is being a glorified prisoner. That's why I think it was Ronaldinho. It sounds like him. That's why for him, he enjoyed his life and he's enjoying his life. Because of a footballer, he could not eat certain things. He said, I have the money. Tell me, I can't eat this. I can't drink this. I can't. No, what's the essence of the money? So you realize that people are having everything that you are dreaming for. And yet they are not happy. They want what you have. You do. You want what they have. So the issue is not about really what you have. It's about the fact that many of us are not content and we are not enjoying what God has given to us. That's why the songwriter says that thou has taught me to say it as well. You know, sometimes you look at the life of people who call themselves or are now called celebrities, and you look at most of them, they are fighting depression like never before. Their lives are hollow and shallow, and I was trying to run, hollow, shallow, ballow. <laughs> Let's see. Because you look at people who, when they cough, the world is willing to, like their cough is news and debate. People can debate on music programs just because somebody coughed or something. You have the world's attention, and you look at how miserable their lives are. There was one actress or so, she could not just keep a marriage. She married like thousand and one times and all the marriages a year or two. And one time all the men said something that this woman, she didn't know. It's like she, she was living a wild goose chase. So she was never content with what she had. You were a popular actress in the country. Money was not a problem. You, you commanded like you were a voice in the industry. But she was just not content. So she was always galloping, looking like she was unsatisfied with life and she kept destroying her life after life her marriage and now she was just battling depression having everything yet lacking everything and this is the story of the prodigal son and this is the story that god doesn't want to be our story so tonight god is reminding us that one way cure ourselves from this delusion is to give thanks in all things and for all things <laughs> you know, we always like quoting First Thessalonians in all things give things that we should not thank God for the bad things or the supposed bad things. But he says, even in the bad things, give things. Let me shock you with the scripture. Ephesians 5:20. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. I really appreciate it if you could look at this scripture for yourself. It says, Always give thanks to God. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. <laughs> so this one displaces the theology that says we should only give God in everything. But Paul said for everything. So we don't just give thanks in every situation, but we give thanks for every situation. Joseph should give thanks that Potiphar's wife lied on him. He should thank God that, oh God, I thank you that Potiphar's wife tried to malign me and I was put in prison because if I was not pleased in prison, 
I will not ascend to be the second in command. So you literally will thank God for people who are screaming evil against you. That's why it's like, bless those who persecute you because God needs them to prepare a table before you in their presence. So thank God for everything because he rules and reigns in the affairs of life. Thank God for everything because all things, all things, all the things that are happening, you must thank God for all of them because they are going to work out for your good because you love God and you are called according to purpose. So we don't just thank God in all things, but thank God for the rejections, for the denial, for the broken hearts, for the guy who left you at the altar, for the job that declined you, for the scholarship that you missed. Thank God for it because honey is going to work out for your good. The thing that God is orchestrating in our lives, you have no idea. That is why you are so discontent and competitive and comparing yourself. If only you knew, if only we knew. It says, for the suffering of the present age ah, cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. Ah, it says, I has not seen, neither has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man. Look at all the good things we are enjoying in life. It's God who created it sex that people are going crazy over it was machinated by god the money we are chasing after it says gold is mine silver is mine the pleasures we are chasing after it says, at my right hand are pleasures forevermore forevermore listen even sex people get tired of sex that's why people are into lesbianism and all these things they are tired of sleeping with a woman as a man so now they, they want to explore and when they get tired of human beings they want to go to animals when they get tired of animals hopefully their life would have been ended by there <laughs> but you see that because the pleasures they have the pleasures these things give you is just temporal the pleasure of food of drinking of women is just temporal but the pleasure have God has is forever more believe God to make their live back so give thanks in all situations and give thanks for all situations Thank God that Kojo left you. Thank God that Amma broke your heart. Don't go and be writing fear woman or fear man. Thank God for the man that you are supposed to fear. Thank God because I has not heard, no, I has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. You see, this is the point that David got to. That in I said certain Samuel 7, after he tried to build the temple and Nathan told him that Charlie, your son is going to be. He said that uh, he he David went into the house of God and sat in the presence of God. And he said, what am I and what is my house that is with me? And when, when David looked at how God brought this guy from the wilderness, that now even Jesus is called the root of David, even Jesus is, is, is having a mysterious key, we call the key of David. <laughs> Somebody that a whole prophet, someone do not even choose. If God would transform this person's life, David was just short of words, and all he could say that, What am I and what is my house? This is the level and the place God wants to take us to. But our competitiveness, our discontentment is just spoiling everything, spoiling everything. And God is encouraging me, and God is encouraging me. I am a generous God. That's what God is telling me and telling me about me in particular. This I am a generous God. Enter into my rest. Enter into my rest. We will pause here and let you have a look at the second part. So this week's one is having everything yet lacking everything. And next week we'll look at hopefully leaving home. <laughs> Fantastic. So tonight we want to just thank God in everything and for everything. 
So you know the things you want to thank God for. Thank God for it. Thank God that you did not get that job. Thank God that you did not marry that person. Thank God that you don't have that car. Thank God that you have that car. Thank God that you have that job. Thank God that you have that certificate. Thank God that your parents are alive. Thank God that your parents are not alive. Thank God for all things. Spend some time in God's presence. Be like David, sit in the presence of God and say, Father, I thank you for the denials, for the rejection. I thank you. Thank God. Speak to God. Speak to God. Thank Him. Thank Him. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks because He's risen, Jesus Christ. Give thanks because He's good to you. Give thanks because He has been merciful to you. Give thanks. Give thanks for in all things and in all things. For God is good. Ah, bless the Lord, all our soul. Bless the Lord. Minister to the Lord. Minister to the Lord. Bless the Lord. Speak to God. Open your mouth. Be genuine. Be sincere. And say, God, I was angry. I did not get that job. I was angry that Kojo left me. I was angry that I did not marry by the age of 20. But I thank you because I knew that all things are working together for my good. Oh, I thank you that you are my father and that you are generous. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. Spend some time in prayer tonight. Or whenever I listen to this podcast and genuinely look at the heartbreaks, the broken heart in your heart and thank God for those ones. Because by the time you get to the end of the tunnel, you will like, you meant it for evil. My God meant it for God. Father, we thank you. Remind us daily of the truths in your word. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. We bless God for tonight. And we bless God that even after three years, you are still sticking and staying with us. Necessity is laid on you to invite more friends to come and share, to come and have discussions with God through the pages of Scripture. And remember that we are still giving God our very best. And we are only no man nothing but love. See you next week. And bye bye.